Welcome to a new episode of the EYC Q&A podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation last week with Father Steve about our construction project, and we got into all sorts of weeds. Um, We got into, does God care how we worship? Why do we do high mass things? Um, And everything and anything in between. So if you didn't catch that, um, that was our conversation last week. And there's also a video of it on YouTube if you wanted to see our faces as we talked, um, but the audio is on this podcast feed. But today, we have a new question to discuss, and it has to do with um, other religions. So let's jump right in. Uh, again, it was an anonymous question, but the question is this. Christianity follows the basic plot line for any religion. A powerful being, or beings in polytheistic religions, provide life, reason, and miracles for a perfect or desired way of life. Just as it is hard for anyone to comprehend any of these other religions, how do we know Christianity is the true story? Or even how do we know it's not just a story, like Aesop's fables? And this is a great question. Um, It gets into what we would call apologetics, kind of a defense of our faith. But it's also trying to recognize that there are similarities in a lot of these religions. So this is not um, a new question. This is not um, caught the church by surprise. The fact that there are many, many more people who would identify as maybe spiritual but not religious today, or they just don't really identify as religious at all, this isn't new. Um, There have been people questioning Christianity for as long as it's existed. There have been people who get mad at Christianity. Um, that's why we have, you know, the stories of our martyrs. But but to get, to get started, um, I want to bring up somebody, um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who is an archbishop in the Roman Catholic Church, and he used to do these kind of radio segments. Um, he got popular for probably having a better radio voice than me um, and being far, far more intelligent. So I'm going to I'm gonna um, default to some of what he says about this exact question. And it's a 20-minute kind of radio segment that he links um, or that he talks about, and I'll link that in the description. So if you want to go and listen to him talk for 20 minutes um, about this, he gets into some other things. But he basically, um, somebody asked him this question, and he starts to discuss it. And he begins by recognizing that, um, you know, of course there are similarities between these. And he actually um, tells a story about Napoleon and how similar he is to Apollo, the the, the Greek myth mythology god, um, and kind of, you know, pokes fun at people who would say that Napoleon didn't exist because, you know, of course we have historical record of that. Um, but he actually does have a lot of similarities to Apollo. And so he kind of talks about how um, some of the descriptions of Napoleon happen to match that. But he also recognizes that there are a lot of famous, you know, mythological figures who parallel the story of Christianity. So he says, Apollo had a miraculous birth. Um, Addis came from, you know, the lower regions, which is a similar description that Christianity uses. Um, The figure of Cyrus rose from the dead. So, Archbishop Sheen says this, So anyone who has ever appeared and claimed to give life from the world 
such as, for example, the person of Christ, actually did nothing but develop a myth. This is the argument he's describing. So then he kind of goes on to, you know, even give this argument a little more weight. He says, oh yeah, Jesus had 12 apostles. Oh, that's just because there was 12 signs of the Zodiac. So he, he kind of is summarizing almost every argument you hear in this style. And the argument is this. Christianity is simply one of many. It's not unique. It's not better or worse. It's just another example, another myth. And so then he responds to it. He says, resemblance does not equal imitation. Simply by recognizing similarities between two things, you're not saying that they're identical. You're also inherently recognizing the difference between them. So the example he gives, we might say that there are similarities between a man and a monkey. Five fingers on each hand, two ears, you can walk on your back leg, similar head shape, so on and so forth. But when we compare the two, the reason the comparison is made is because we also recognize that there are differences. If they were the exact same thing, we wouldn't be talking about how similar they are. They would just be the same thing. I wouldn't talk about the similarities between Luke and Luke because it's, it's me. It's the same person. But I might talk about the similarities between, you know, Father Steve and me. Um, we both work in a church, so on and so forth. But there are differences. You know, he's a priest. I'm not. Um... So when we talk about things that are similar, what we're also doing at the same time is recognizing that they are different. So these resemblances that Christianity has to other religions does not necessarily mean that Christianity is just copying them or that it's the exact same as them. Archbishop Sheen makes the comparison um, that if you went to an art gallery, let's say you walked into some famous art gallery and you have a great eye for color, and you start recognizing that, hey, all these paintings are made from kind of the same basic colors. It's just different variations. Well, the response to that is not to say, well, I guess they're all just painted by the same person then. They're all just kind of, you know, the same thing. No, there are differences in how we, you know, use those colors. So what are those, you know, primary colors that are similar in all these religions? Why are they there? Well, it's because humanity has similar needs and desires. Um, there are some things that we recognize across cultures and across time. These themes of maybe sacrifice that are common in so many religions or worship, some recognition that humanity recognizes some greater power out there. And so there are these similar, you know, foundational needs and desires. So it would make sense that a lot of the religions have similarities. But what that doesn't mean is that they're all the same and or that they're all false. And so another important or worthwhile point to make here is that you can recognize good things in almost all religion. Um, that's not to say that all religions are good, but that they have maybe something good in them. And so you'll sometimes hear people say, yeah, all religions are the same. They tell you to be nice and to love one another, and that's good. Well, that's true. That is good, and a lot of these religions say that. And it's it's helpful sometimes to learn from these different religions um, simply because, you know, they're humans like us, and we have some things to learn from them. But just saying that there might be something good in all of these religions does not mean that they contain the fullness of truth. That does not mean that, 
you know, they're just as true as Christianity. You can be a Christian and recognize good elements of, you know, all sorts of religions while also saying that Christianity is the true version of the story. Um, that's that's okay, and I think we need to get better at that. We need to get better at defending why we are a Christian, but also learning how to learn from other people. So, and, and this is, you know, kind of self-evident, because if you've ever talked to uh, a Muslim, for example, um, when I was in college, I was in a religious studies kind of religious group where we would just learn about all these different religions. And, you know, there are sometimes people who might come up to you as a Christian and say, well, all religions are the same. They're all true. And the funny part is, is that if you go to, you know, other religious people, they'll they'll sometimes get offended by that. I mean, if I was to tell some of my Muslim friends from college, oh yeah, we believe the same thing. It doesn't really matter. They would be very offended by that because they don't believe that's true. They believe that, you know, Islam is the fullness of truth. And in the same way, as a Christian, I believe Christianity is the fullness of truth. Um, and we can have good conversations about that. But but the point is this, that to just, you know, cast aside all religions as the same can be very offensive to all sorts of religious people, from Christians to Muslims to Hindus um, and everything in between. So I think that does a disservice to this conversation if we just write them all off as the same. So it, it's worthwhile to talk about the differences. And before we get to the differences... Um, I want to bring up another way that this conversation can sometimes go. And in our youth group, we've talked about this a couple different times. You might hear someone say, for example, I'm going to use the story of Noah's Ark. They might say, hey, didn't you know that Noah's Ark is just copying from the Epic of Gilgamesh, an ancient Near East story? They both have floods. They both have, you know, kind of heroic figures. And there's all sorts of similarities between them. So someone might tell you if you're a Christian come on, the biblical story is just copying the other flood stories. And those were written before, you know, Genesis. So those are probably, you know, the authentic ones, or those are the more true myths. And, you know, Genesis, come on, it came after the fact. It's not really true. It's just copying from them. And there are two things being really claimed here. Since similar stories have been told, um, this is the first claim, Christian version can not be the true version or the only true interpretation because there's, you know, five, 10, 15 other stories really similar to it. So that's the first claim. And the second claim is this. Christianity came after some of these other stories. So those other stories, because they're earlier, are the most true or most authentic. So as for the first claim, we've already kind of talked about that. The fact that there are multiple, maybe flood stories in this instance does not mean that they're all true or all false. Um, it might mean that they are all written based off of some actual event. So here's an example. Let's say somebody told you 10 years ago there was some huge tornado that wiped out an entire city. Let's say you say, wow, that's that's crazy. Um, and you try to do some research and you try to talk to people. Do you, do you remember this? And everyone says no. Um, but their story, you know, makes sense, but it's the only one you have. You might be like, okay, maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. 
But let's say if, you know, after you talk to this one person, 10 other people talk about it and they say, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, maybe one person says it wiped out, you know, two cities. One person might say it wiped out a town. Um, so maybe there's some differences in them, but, you know, you walk away from that feeling like, okay, there was at least some big weather event that happened because there's all sorts of people talking about it. And the flood story is similar to that. Maybe, you know, because there's five or six stories it's very possible and plausible that there was some big, you know, weather flood event that happened. And all of these different religious groups were trying to make sense of it in their own way. So you have, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh that turns it into um, its own type of response to the flood. And then you have Christianity that when it tells the story about the flood, it's not really about the flood. It's about, you know, how God is interacting with his people. And that's the truth that it tells because of the flood. You know, did it cover 500 square miles or 10,000 square miles? Eh, it doesn't really matter as much because that's not what the story is concerned about. The story is concerned about Noah and his family and how God interacts with them. And really, the, the, the story leads up to this promise that God makes to Noah with the rainbow and the covenant. And that really is the, the truth of the story. That's really the big point. So just because they're similar doesn't mean they're all true or all false or none of them matter. Um, it very well might mean that they're all responding to similar things in different ways. And so then we have to look at, well, what claims are they making? And let's compare those. But the second claim, the one I said about, you know, oh, Noah's flood is comes after the Epic of Gilgamesh and these other ones. So it's it's not as true or we don't need to pay attention to it. It's just a copy. And this, this claim is important because it gets used to discredit Christianity a lot. People will say, well, if Christianity came after all of these other primitive religions, and, you know, there's similarities in, in the, the stories they tell about the world, obviously Christianity can't be more true than them. And when you, when you think about what somebody's claiming here and apply it to a different scenario, you realize how bad of an argument this is, but it can catch us off guard, especially when... You know, maybe you've never heard of the Epic of Gilgamesh, and so it takes you, you know, it kind of catches you off guard, and you might get a little confused and worried and say, oh, I didn't know that. But let's let's think of it this way, and you'll kind of realize how, how weird of an argument this really is. Let's say you heard a doctor um, years ago, or yesterday, sometime recently, talking about the flu, and, you know, they might talk about, oh, you take Tamiflu if you get it within 48 hours, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, it makes you weak, gives you high fever. Um, you know, if you get the flu, you know, we can kind of test for it reasonably. And, you know, drink lots of fluids, take electrolytes, try to keep your fever down, so on and so forth. And then let's say you come across a um, thousand-year-old medical book talking about, you know, this unnamed sickness, or maybe they gave it some name. And it makes people weak or achy, and it makes their bodies warm. And you start to say, hey, that sounds really similar to the flu. And maybe this thousand-year-old book interprets this um, sickness as, you know, um, it gives it some kind of obscure reason. Like, oh, you know, you, you walked on your right foot um, for a week, or you did this thing or this thing, and that's why you got this sickness. And maybe the thousand-year-old book recommends sleep on your side for five nights and you'll be better. Now, 
if you take you know the argument that people are using about Christianity at its face, you'll say, oh, well, this new doctor, he's kind of copying this sickness, and he's telling a story about this sickness, and he's using a lot of the same source material as this book from a thousand years ago. And, you know, this, this doctor a thousand years ago doesn't talk about drinking lots of fluids or electrolytes. Um, he doesn't mention this drug called Tamiflu. So maybe you might just say, well, this new doctor's just copying similar source material. You can't really trust what he's saying. Now, obviously, that's an absurd example. And you say, of course not. Actually, in this situation, the more recent stuff is probably more trustworthy because we've learned more about medicine and the way disease spreads and sickness. So this is one absurd example, but it goes to show that just because something is newer or not as old as some other you know, competing narrative doesn't mean that it's less true. In some cases, such as medicine, it might make it even more trustworthy. So, you know, the idea that Christianity comes along after some of these other religions isn't, A, it's not surprising, because Christianity is the religion after the life of Jesus Christ, and Jesus was a real person who lived after these religions. But B, you have to recognize that Jesus lived at a time when there were religions around. Um, you know, you look at Jesus, and he's he grew up in the midst of the Jewish religion. Um, and so, you know, the fact that you see kind of glimpses of these other religious practices um, doesn't make them wrong. It's the same thing like with baptism. There were Jewish rites of cleansing, um, and other religions had all sorts of rites of cleansing that looked very similar to baptism. But it becomes different with Jesus because it, it gives a different meaning. It becomes something new. Um, it's kind of to take, you know, some this ritual that people already knew about and give it a new meaning. And so you wouldn't say that, well, um, you know, the ancient Near East rite of cleansing looks really similar to baptism. So baptism isn't isn't true. It's just another way of doing this rite of cleansing. But what the truth of baptism comes through is the life of Christ in the church. So, you know, you can't just evaluate things based on how old they are, and that makes them the best. But enough talk about the similarities. Let's, let's get to it. What are the differences? Because there are differences. Um, the similarities between Christianity and other religions are there. And like we said, it doesn't mean that Christianity is less true. But there are also differences, and they kind of help us understand better Christianity's relationship to these other religions. And, and this goes back to some of the things Archbishop Sheen said. So think about this. Almost every religion you can think of that maybe you've learned about in school operates from this kind of one foundation, humanity's movement toward God. Now, this movement um, is a broad word, and it occurs in a variety of different ways. So some might say humanity gets closer to God or to the divine or to the gods through contemplation or meditation. So you get these contemplative religions that say, you know, sit still and meditate and you will eventually reach enlightenment and grow closer to the divine. And then others um, might say it's through bodily denial. Yeah, you, you fast a ton um, and that's, you know, they have similar practices to maybe what Christians do on Fridays or during Lent. You don't eat meat. Um, that's very common in all sorts of religions, but the, the motive is a little different. So they might say, 
you know, your body is a cage and your goal is to deprive it of things to realize that your spirit is the one true thing. And that's what you have to, you kind of escape your body. Then others might say you move toward God by simply just accepting the sovereign will of God and giving up all control. You know, you try your best not to have control over anything. And then still some others might say, you move closer to God by finding inner peace, by losing your identity as a person, you know, becoming one with the universe. But they're all focused on this movement, humanity to God. Even those who, you know, claim to be non-religious, maybe they'll say, I'm a humanist, I'm not religious. They still talk about kind of an enlightenment of sorts, where maybe you'll hear humans can find their purpose by, you know, lifting yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, you got to do it yourself. You got to make meaning for yourself. But they're all focused on this, you know, human grounded movement closer to God or the divine or the good or enlightenment, whatever they call it. It begins with humans. You know, this is this is something that we do um, that brings us closer to whatever we're trying to reach. So what is Christianity if it's not that? Um, and sometimes we get it wrong and think that it's that. Sometimes during Lent, maybe, for example, we say, oh yeah, we fast because that you know brings us closer to God, which isn't necessarily true. Um, and let's, let's talk about that. What is, what is Christianity? What's the grand story in Christianity? In Against Heresy, St. Irenaeus, Irenaeus said a long, long, long time ago, he says this, For this is why the Word became man, and the Son of God became the Son of Man, so that man, by entering into communion with the Word, and thus receiving divine sonship, might become a Son of God. This is why the Word became man. Christianity is not about humanity making the first move or moving toward God. It's about God making the first move and becoming one of us. It really centers around the incarnation. One of the most fundamental truths about Christianity is also the thing that makes it so unique, that the God we worship became human and died for us to save us, because he said it was impossible for us to move towards him. This was not some external salvation or some rule book that we are handed over and told, hope you can do it. The salvation occurs through us because God becomes one of us. Jesus doesn't claim to be a good teacher or a prophet who will show us to the truth. What does he say in the scriptures? He says, I am the truth. That is such a radically different claim than what these other religions make. Not, I will show you the truth. Not, I have the truth. No, I am the truth. And the incarnation and the life of Jesus and these claims about being the truth eventually leads us to the crucifixion and the resurrection. If Christ had not been born, he would not have lived. If he had not lived, he would not have been crucified. And if he had not been crucified, he would not have been able to rise from the dead. And what does St. Paul say about if he didn't rise from the dead? He says, if there was no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. 
So what makes Christianity different than these other religions? Jesus. Are there similarities? Absolutely. Can maybe we learn things from some of these other religions? Absolutely. But what is the truth of the world located in? Where is the fullness of truth located in? Jesus. In his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. That opens us to receive divine sonship, as St. Irenaeus says. It's not about us making the first move. The Son of God became man. He became the Son of Man so that man, so that we, are able to enter into communion with Jesus and thus receive what God is giving us. That's what makes Christianity different. So, naturally, you might be thinking, well, how do we know Jesus really was born and lived and died and rose again from the dead. If it all hinges on Jesus, we might need to spend a little bit more time on on Jesus. And you're right. And that's why I'm going to do a kind of apologetic series. Um, We were able to do a series in person, um, you know, in the midst of this whole pandemic. And so there was interruptions to our series and you know we weren't able to spend as much time on it as we wanted so i i want to do a you know recording of some of these things that we've talked about apologetics wise so that you can always go back and listen to them so i'm going to do you know an episode on god an episode on the bible on the life of jesus um, talking about his life death resurrection talking about the church and i think that'll give you um, some more grounding to to dig deeper into this question. Look forward for those episodes, digging a little deeper into these things, giving you some more meat to chew on. Um, but I hope this you know, piqued your interest and may, makes you start thinking about what makes Christianity uniquely true. Do the similarities between Christianity and other religions make it less true? Of course not. How do we think about those? Keep thinking about this. If you have more questions, feel free to reach out to me. If you don't want to have a whole podcast episode, talk about your question, just email me. um, And I'm happy to talk about it with just you. Or if you want, you know, a whole other podcast episode, send it in. Um, There's a link in the description to two things, Archbishop Sheen's 20-minute talk that I referenced, if you want to listen to that, and a link to submit your own questions for this podcast. So until next week, I hope you have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next week.